good to see everybody here today. It's kind of weird, right? I don't know. <laughs> it's kind of weird. Um, I didn't realize how much time it takes for me to get ready to go to church service. All these years, not years, but all these days, Sundays, I've just been uh, getting up, you know, wear shorts, put something on top, and just turn on my computer. And now it's just like the whole routine's got to start up again. I almost got lost coming to church because I almost forgot where it is. And the parking lot's, you know, in a, in a weird spot. And so it's, uh, it was a little, a little different. But, you know, I'm going to be very honest. Um, I didn't think I would miss meeting in person that much. You know, in the beginning of, of the quarantine, it was like, oh, yeah, I miss meeting the church. But then I got used to it, and I was like, oh, this is so easy, right? This is so convenient. And so we're coming back, it's like, oh, no, I don't know if I'm, you know, I, I don't know. I'm kind of used to this. I don't know if I'm going to miss it. But having seen you guys here, uh, it's, uh, it's, it is a blessing. It, it, is, it is different, you know. And, and I guess I did miss it. And, you know, we're doing this partially in person. And for those of you who are uh, there watching us online, um, we're also doing online streaming. Uh, but hopefully one day we'll all get back together in, in full capacity. Right now, I think uh, we've been trying to just work out the kinks here a little bit. This is our first time. And um, hopefully we'll get a little bit better um, doing this, more convenient, more quicker, more efficient. And, uh, you know, just kind of thank the, the reopening committee and, and um, you know, Andrew's manning the, uh, the video, and that's a lot of work, too, and so it's, it's an addition to a lot of the stuff. And so hopefully uh, we are able to do this even better and for, for our blessing. Um, so we've been looking here in Ephesians chapter 4, and um, this is the last message here in this, in this series. I just kind of stretched it out. You know, it's like, it's like wine, you know, just kind of squeeze everything I can out of this, out of this passage with regards to, like, gifts and, and, and the body and community and serving. So I'm just going to kind of wrap it up here today so that we can start something new, maybe hopefully next week uh, when we reach the follow. But I just wanted to make it a quick, simple point here. Sorry, it's a little weird. I'm just crunching the paper, and I feel like I should be looking at a computer screen. But anyways, what we saw here last week was this. In verse 9 to verse 10, Paul quotes Psalm chapter 66, and he talks about Jesus ascending and Jesus descending, right? And the reason that he compares or he uses Psalm 66 is to kind of tell us that Jesus, he came to earth, he descended, he died, on, the, and then he rose again on the third day, he ascended, and that was the work that he did. That's the message of grace. That's the gospel message that we have right here. But because of that, Paul says in our passage to this church in Ephesus, because of what Jesus did, he gave us gifts. He gave us gifts. And I don't know if you're used to using that terminology or that way of thinking. The talents, the, 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 the abilities, um, the desires that you have are, are gifts. But he says, this is what Jesus did, and he freely gives to you. And the point that I've been trying to make all along is this. That when Jesus gives you a gift, it's a good thing to consider why he gives you that gift. To understand what it is. To understand what it is. Here, the whole section that I've been looking at here begins all quoting and then talks about giving gifts, like Paul does in chapter 66, that God gives gifts. Um, and so when we look at this passage, here's here's the three points that I want to give you today. In verse 11, he tells this church what exactly is the gift that he gave to this church. In verse 12, he explains what that gift is supposed to do. 
And then in verse 13, he is going to explain what the gift is supposed to produce, what its results are. Okay? So what the gifts are, what they're supposed to do, okay, and what they're supposed to produce. And at the end of this passage, you get a picture of how the church is supposed to function. All right? So just follow me along here. Now let me clear here. We'll look at other passages where it talks about gifts. But Paul is particularly writing to this church in Ephesus and the gifts that he's given and he says been given. some as evangelists, some as pastors, and so the gift he says that this church has received are people, pastors, teachers, shepherds, elders, people, and I think we mentioned this before, but Paul says the gift of this church is people, people are given to people, people with specific roles, people with specific gifts, pastoring, teaching, leading, Paul calls them gifts to you. Now, let me just be bold here and just kind of say this. Pastors, teachers, elders, shepherds are God's gift to you. I'm a gift to you. I am God's gift to you. I, I, I know that's what sounds a little weird, but that's what he's saying. Pastor James is a gift to you. By the grace of God, elders and teachers are a gift to you. Now, I know some of you are thinking, can I get a receipt? Right? Is there a return or is there an exchange? And unfortunately not because the grace period has, is over for those of you, especially for those of you who chose to become members. But I want you to at least notice this. There's more than one person that's mentioned here. These gifts. He doesn't just say the pastor is a gift. Nor does he just say the elder is a gift. There's a bunch of people here that he says is a gift to the church. So it's more than just me. It's more than just James. It's more than just the elders. It has to be. It has to be this way. And the point here that I want to say is this, that as we are given a gift as a gift to the church, we may be a gift by God's grace, but we are not gifted enough on our own. And that's the way it should be because the church is not built on one person or one personality. And this is so important for Sojourner because I know we're a small church and things tend to revolve. And maybe this is just me because I'm always the center of my world. But I feel the church sometimes centers around me. And if you know anything about me, I don't want it to be this way. I don't like being the center of attention of anything. It's too much burden. It's too much pressure. It needs to be dispersed. Because the church is not built around one personality, one cult of personality. That's not the way it should be. Because I can't do everything. An elder can't do everything. A teacher can't do everything. Even setting this church, even getting this meeting together is such... It's such a hassle. There's so many things that go into it. But I can't, I, there's no way I would be able to do this by myself. There are others. But that's the gift to the church that he says this church has. Now here's the second point. So what's the purpose? What's the purpose of these gifts? Well, you see this in verse 12. 
He says, I've given you pastors, teachers, elders, shepherds, etc. And then in verse 12, he says, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. Let me, let me read this to you again very carefully, okay? Because this, this is what the verse says. To equip the saints for the work of ministry. So what are those gifts given to you? It's pastors, it's teachers, it's elders, it's leaders, and so on and so forth. What is their purpose? And here's what Paul says the purpose is. To equip you for the work of ministry. And this is so important for us to understand because oftentimes many, many of us, especially even in our church, even in the Presbyterian world, we kind of think, okay, the preacher is supposed to preach, he's supposed to do the ministry, and then I come to church and I just kind of soak it in. And, you know, I hope you do. I hope you do soak it in. But the preacher doing the ministry, he's doing the ministry in order so that you may be equipped to do ministry. Notice the language in this verse. You've been given these gifts, pastors, teachers, and elders, to do what? What's the purpose? To equip you, Paul says. The saints for the work of ministry. And I just want to give you two points on that. It's not the pastor or the teacher or the elders that are supposed to do all the work. They are here. I am here to help you, to equip you to do the work. Especially if you think preaching is important and the preaching of the gospel is important. Especially if you value the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, even if you admire the sermon or the, even the, the preacher. His main work is to give you the gospel so that you might be equipped to do the work. Here's how that works. Here's what, here's what Paul's trying to say. Look, the message is this. The teacher is this. Here, this is what God did. This is what Jesus did. Here's blessing and blessing and blessing upon you. You and I, we don't deserve a thing from God. No matter what we ask, we need to remember that we don't deserve one single iota from a holy God. And yet mercy upon mercy, forgiveness upon forgiveness, grace upon grace to serve him. How? How do we serve him? By serving others. When you understand that you receive so much from God... The product is gratefulness, thankfulness, fruitfulness. What can I do for you? Gifts given to equip the saints for the ministry. I'm not interested in coming back to in-person worship on a Sunday morning or afternoon to talk to a bunch of people and then just have them walk away. And too many times, too many times, you know, we, we think, well, you know, I know there's things we need to do in the church. I know there's things we got to do better, but somebody will handle it. PF will handle it. Maybe Pastor James will handle it. Or the committee will do it. Too many times when we think about churches, well, why isn't leadership doing this? Or why can't the ch church do more of this? Or, you know, why can't we be more like this or that? Too many times we've, we've got a lot of ideas, a lot of words, a lot of thoughts, a lot of critiques. But you've got no hands and you've got no feet. And so I'm not interested and coming here to nourish a bunch of people who are just going to stare at the back of others' heads in front of them and just walk away. I'm not interested in spectators. 
but I feed the word of God. I teach and encourage so that the gospel of Jesus Christ moves into your heart with gratefulness and thankfulness till you realize how much you've been blessed and then you turn around to the people around you and you say, hey, what can I do for you? This is what I think I could do. To equip the saints for ministry. That's what Paul said. You ever think about this? You have a ministry. Not just me, you have a ministry. The other word here is service. And I'm not talking about some established church thing. The fact that you have a friend that you always encourage. The fact that you just reached out to someone who was sitting by themselves. The fact that maybe, you know, you, you encourage someone in your home or in your neighborhood. You ever think of that as ministry? But that's what Paul said. So what's the, what's the product, okay? Here are the gifts, people who are gifted, given to you. What's the, what's the purpose? To equip the saints for ministry. And what is that supposed to produce? Well, look at verse 13. He says, the aim of that job that Jesus was given uh, was to give his gifts. He gives gifts, pastors, teachers, and elders. What do they do? They equip the saints for work or for service. So what does that accomplish? What's the goal here? And in verse 13, we see three things, okay? Until we attain to the unity of the faith and of knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature, the fullness of Christ. We'll just camp on those three things really quickly. What's, what's the pr pr product here? What, what, what's our goal here? What's the goal of, of pastors and teachers serving the community and the community serving one another? What, what's the goal? Three things. One, he says, unity. We've already talked about this. It's a unity of faith, not just any unity. We wouldn't be here together if it wasn't for church, if it wasn't for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so the unity is an issue. So, but how does that work? How, how do we produce unity with, with the connection to the gospel? How does that work? Well, Paul says here it's a unity of the faith. So it means this. All of us here ought to be here for the same reason, to grow together. And then for one instance, one of the things that brings us together is the belief in the common thing which we call the gospel of Jesus Christ. That we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. That's one thing that ought to bring the church together. But here's the question. What is that belief designed to do among us? And here's the answer. It kills pride. If you really understand the gospel, if you know that you're saved by grace and grace alone, by faith alone in Jesus Christ, right, no one here can go around and walk around and say, hey, I'm pretty special. The gospel of Jesus Christ, which you hear, is not just saving belief. It's a pride-killing belief. And what does Paul say in Philippians chapter 2? What does he say is the thing that is causing disunity in that congregation? It's pride and selfishness. And so if we're producing unity... If we're going to have unity practically, if we're going to work this out, then somebody's got to be killing pride and selfishness. And Paul says here in the beginning, and I've got a good suggestion for that. If the word of God is being preached, the faith that is being preached, then the gospel of Jesus Christ is designed then to kill your pride and selfishness. So if we're going to be unified, it's going to come from a shared belief 
And that share, I believe, is going to be proclaimed from the word of God, the gospel message of Jesus Christ to the people of God. Okay? So unity is a goal. The second thing, as we've been given gifts of people, as we minister to one another, being equipped to serve one another, we pursue this gospel unity. But secondly, Paul says, until we attain the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. Here's the second product. Look at that phrase, the knowledge of the Son of God. Paul wants to see the congregation uh, grow in the knowledge of the Son of God. And he doesn't mean he wants you to just know more things about Jesus. He wants you to know Jesus. Let me be very clear here. As much as you might like your church, the goal, one of the goals and the purpose of this church is so that you may know Jesus Christ. It's not just to hang out with friends. It's not just to fill in some time on the weekend. It's not to make your children better kids. It's to know Jesus Christ. Paul says in Philippians, I have counted everything rubbish in comparison to knowing Jesus Christ. Paul doesn't just want you to know about Jesus. He doesn't want you just to know more stuff about Jesus. He wants you to know Jesus personally, relationally, spiritually, and faithfully. So the goal of this ministry in the congregation is that you walk away knowing more Jesus. And if I can do anything right, if I can do anything right, it would be that. So we pursue unity. The goal here is knowledge of Christ. And last but not least here, third in our passage, to the mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. So Paul wants these people to mature. All right? So the third goal and purpose here is that they're going to be maturing. They're, they're going to be united in faith. They're going to know Jesus Christ. And they're going to start to mature. Okay? But I want you to notice this, and we've mentioned this before. What does that look like? And he says, maturity to the fullness of Christ. So here's what he's saying. The disciples looked at Jesus and they said, Jesus, show us what God looks like. And Jesus says, haven't you seen me? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so the point that he's making is that if you see Jesus, you see God. The point he's making here is, if you grow into the maturity of Christ, you start looking like Christ, you start looking like God. There is some measure of Christ-likeness, some measure of godliness in you. That's a maturity that we're talking about. You know, there's a lady walking down the street with her husband, and as they're walking down, there's some women uh, that are coming in the opposite direction. And these women are staring her at her husband. <laughs> they're just staring at him as they walk by. The wife notices. She's upset. Why are they checking out my husband? Who the heck do they think they are? What are they doing? So she's so upset, so she turns around before they walk away. And she stops and says, excuse me, you just check out my husband? Are you giving my husband the eye? One of the women turned to her and said, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. We weren't checking out your husband. We were just looking at him, wondering, what kind of guy is it 
that would have such a beautiful wife like you? What kind of guy is it that would get to be a, this with a beautiful woman like you? She stops and she goes, oh, I'm sorry. Thank you so much. You know what Christian maturity looks like? Have you ever had someone come to you and look at you and stare at you and say, hey, what kind of God is it that would have a believer like you? What kind of Jesus is this that would have a follower like you? Because he must be pretty good. Have you ever had someone say that to you? I wonder if anyone has said that about me or us as a church. So there you go. He's given gifts to this church. They're people. They're gifted. He's got gifts of pastoring, teaching, leading, so on and so forth, shepherding. And their goal, the purpose, is to equip the saints for ministry. So the saints are doing ministry to one another. Pursuing what? They're pursuing unity, gospel unity, pride-killing unity. Secondly, they're pursuing uh, not only unity, but knowledge of Christ, to know him, and wanting everybody else to know him more. And thirdly, he wants them to grow, to grow in maturity, right? To grow in maturity. But the thing that he mentions here in this passage is this, that this growing in maturity doesn't just happen individually, it happens in this community, in this community. As people, as we look in verse 14 and onwards, as people grow in love, verse 15, speaking truth to one another in love, as people are growing together, as they remind themselves that we need one another and we're part of this one body, and so we're joined together in verse 16 from every joint which is equipped, each part working properly, making the body grow so that it builds up in what? Love. You see the picture of church that Paul has? It's not individuals coming to church with a bunch of other individuals doing their God thing. It's individuals coming to church recognizing that they belong to a body no matter what it is. And that each individual has a part in that body so that all of us may grow. Do you know what we call it in a body when one part of the body grows and the other don't? It's called cancer. All of us grow together. And all of us have a responsibility to do that. To build each other up in love with the gifts that God has given to us and the desire to serve one another by serving God and serving his people. Okay? And that brings us to maturity. Friends, it's been a long time since uh, I preached in person. Um, two years, I, I felt pretty much out because of still unknown illness, right? And um, it's been a lot better. Uh, I, I feel a lot better. It's not perfect, but I feel a lot better. And one of the things, you know, especially when you think your life is over, not only are you turning closer to 50, not only are you trying to beat this illness, not only, you know, are you trying to just get over your fatness, right? Or, you know, your age or your old. One of the things is this. I don't know about you, but I don't want to just come back and do the same thing. 
I, I don't want to just come back and do the same thing, just kind of go back to the way things were before COVID happened. We need to mature. You need to mature, wherever you are, even if you're not a Christian, to grow a little bit more while you're here. We need to grow. And we need to do things. Not only, you know, just to do it, but we need to do things because we need to do it well, and we need to do it right, and we need to do it for the sake of the whole church, and we need to all be on board on the same page. Don't you want that? What's the point of doing all this just to go back to what it was before? Who's going to be around the next five years, ten years, or whatever the case is? And so we wrap up this passage with an encouragement to know this. We need God's grace. We need his patience. We need his mercy. We need his diligence, and we need his desire. And you've been gifted. You've been gifted. Not just with people like me or, or leaders or, or servants here. You've been gifted with something that you can do or give or think or pray or, or something for the church that people need. You've got something. Otherwise, God would never have given you a gift if you didn't need it. And so I pray for the church as we go forward that we grow together and we go forward together and we grow in maturity, in love, in unity, in the knowledge of Christ. Okay? Let's pray.